Before we get started with this episode, we'd like to take time to thank all of our patrons by name, as it is Thank You Patrons Day. So we wish a very huge thank you to all of our patrons who make this podcast happen. Logan H., Mason, Burger Champ, Donovan B., Joseph, Kyle Von Kubik, Mentheon, Metal Dooley, Dwayne V., 2600, Nick A., Ben M., Ben B., Patrick, Marty B., David O., Jonathan M., Corporal Sprinkles, Will W., and Quentin H. So thank you to all our patrons, and if you didn't hear your name, it means that you are not currently listed as a patron of this site, so please check the Patreon. And if you're not a member, consider joining today. You get bonus episodes, you get things sent in the mail to you, you get a special posting board on Patreon, uh, a lot of extra content just for a few bucks a month. So think about joining it. The link is always in the details for the episode, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to another patron-selected episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And this episode, we're going to look at Pirate's Gold for the Genesis, which was given to us by one of our patrons, Mason. Uh, we'll be talking mm-hmm. to him later on in the show. But before we dive into Pirate's Gold, Billy, what have you been playing since our last episode? Well, and, and I apologize. I am a little under the weather uh, if my voice is sultrier than usual. Uh, I, I've been playing a little bit of this and that. I, uh, I'll go ahead and say I have started playing Death Stranding. I'm not going to talk about it this time, though. I, uh, uh, as can be imagined, uh, I've only put a few hours into it, and not a game you can form a solid opinion on after a few hours. Most games you can, not quite this one. So I'm going to give it uh, our next episode. I will, I will tell you about that. Um, uh, I've been playing Outer Worlds also. Uh, I've been a strong game. I, I believe myself to be on the last story mission of it. So I'm kind of tying up some loose ends here and there, finishing up some other ones before I before I really get into it solid. Uh, other than that, I had to put a good bit of time into the game where we're talking about here today. And... Yeah, I mean that's 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 about it. And I mean for the end of the year, it's like all of a sudden between Outer Worlds and and you know Death Stranding and and whatnot, I've gotten some games with some pretty serious length to them, kind of thrown in my lap. So I'm I'm just trying to do a little bit of a balancing job with it. Well, I have unfortunately to everyone listening to this show uh, gotten very back into Monster Hunter 
because the retro, the Resident Evil event is out, which I thought was a lot bigger than it is. Uh, like the Witcher 3 event they put out was actually pretty impressive. There were special missions that were completely different than anything else in the game. Uh, th this has one specific mission where it does have a zombie mechanic, which the game normally doesn't have, and you can use that to earn uh, you know, Resident Evil skins for your character, essentially, and for your Palico. And, and that's exciting, and I'm doing those things. Uh, but, but that, I've forgotten how long it takes, uh, especially when you haven't been playing as much as I should be playing, I suppose. So I'm actually spending you know, 45 minutes on, on some fights, and therefore <laughs> that's taken up a lot of time. Uh. Uh, well, I mean, it's okay. I, I guess I'm getting my money's worth out of a game I bought, what, a year and a half ago, and then another one expansion. I've got 400 hours logged into this thing, so so that's good. Uh, this game did take a lot of time, and that's good. I also realize I've been buying a lot of games uh, for the last couple years again, where I'm I'm not really playing them. I'm I'm buying them, I'm starting them, and then I'm not finishing them up. So I'm gonna probably make a list of things I've got to finish before I start buying more games. I do want Death Stranding, but again, you know, I I realized when uh, Outer Worlds came out that I. I have a copy of Fallout 4 I've never played, and I've got all these other games I've never finished, uh, even uh, Metal Gear Solid 5 in the, in the case of Death Stranding, where I'm like, I've just got to play these things that I bought, never finished. So I'm sure that's what 2020 is going to lead to me. I will tell you that I did find a copy on the PlayStation 2 of Silent Hill 2, which has also been something I've started since our last episode, because I was <laughs> super into that. I'm very excited about Silent Hill 2, so I guarantee we'll talk about that at some point in the future. But yes, this game took plenty of time to kind of get into. Uh, Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last show? Uh, like Billy, I, I did grab Death Stranding, and I, I'm about 25 hours into it, but I'm going to wait uh, with him for the next episode to talk about it before I just start, you know, endlessly gushing about it, how much I love it. Uh, I, I want to get into it. I want to make sure that the latter half of the game just doesn't take a nosedive. Uh, so we'll, we'll wait on that one. But one I actually do want to talk about is one Billy mentioned last uh, episode, and that is Borderlands 3. Oh, and yeah, I could I could talk about it. OK. All right. So I bought this. I, you know, I'm a huge Borderlands fan. You know, it is it is not something that I'm just like, this is the most amazing game ever. But to me, it, it is very much a popcorn kind of game. Like uh, it, if, if there isn't too much going on right now, like that is like the game. I will pull up Borderlands 2 and play it endlessly. It is <laughs> one of my all time favorites uh, shooters. And uh, st I still think it, you know, is to this day. So I was really excited when Borderlands 3 hit. I, I actually pre-ordered it and, and grabbed it on day one. It was broke as hell for me on PlayStation 4. It didn't run well, had a lot of bugs. Actually hit, for the first time in my entire life, a, a uh, progress-ending bug mm. in uh, chapter or the second planet. And I, I could not actually progress in the game because of this bug. And I looked up the answers, and it was like, you got to start over. I was like, oh, well, okay, oh. well, maybe I'll just let this game sit for two or three weeks and see if it gets fixed. And I did, and I started over, and I, man, this has been one of the more disappointing games of the year. I'll tell uh, you. I, you know, I finished it, and uh, and I think along the time, I think my initial review was that it's, it's serviceable. Uh, it's, it doesn't it certainly doesn't make any waves. It's, you know, it's, it's Borderlands. Uh, and I played through it and I think I was mostly uh, sad as I thought there were some things that were underwhelming. Uh, I thought there were some characters that were not necessary and I thought the main villains were, were pretty weak. Um, but, uh, and I think I touched on this last time I started a second playthrough because I mean, it's fucking Borderlands first Borderlands I've played through with each, you know, each character. Uh, 
second one I think probably is up there with games I have played through the most. I, I've just had multiple playthroughs with each character. I've I've still got like two going right now. Um, that, that I think just Borderlands Two is one of those games. Uh, it's like Diablo Two. I'm fairly certain I'm just I'm always going to be playing that game. Uh, it's some you know from time to time. Third, I started another one, and it's just like every problem that I was able to kind of, you know, the hype got me through the first time playing through. It just, it stuck out like a sore thumb this time. And I sat it down and I can honestly tell you, um, I saw they're coming out with some DLC that to me screams, we know we fucked up and here's handsome Jack. And we, we sure hope that you, you come back. Um, I don't think this one's going to get another playthrough from me. I think I'll do the DLC with my original character. Uh, it's, it's, oh, it's got problems. And, and Jeremy, I'll let you, if you want to continue. I, I mean, the problems for me is, I mean, the story itself is, it's not great. I don't think the villains are very good. I don't like the whole kind of YouTube aspect of it because it just reeks of something that's going to be dated in like a year. Like, you know, anybody that plays this game, like, down the road is going to be like, what the fuck is this game about? What are they talking about? Followers and streams. It's almost dated at this point. So there's a lot of kind of cringe to just the story itself. I don't think a lot of the humor, like, lands at all. Mm. And it's everyone is just talking all the fucking time. They won't shut up. I don't, this is the talkingest game I think I've <laughs> ever played. Like there are times where people have been talking for a good two minutes and like I have to sit there and wait before I can talk to the next person because if I fucking press it, it's going to glitch out and nobody's gonna, like it's just going to fuck up. So it, it's just it, it that stuff really bothers me. I don't think the gunplay works as well. I think it's like they tried to like make it a little bit more, I don't know active i guess like the the enemies themselves kind of jump around and do a lot more than what they did in borderlands 2 mm. uh, it just feels like i'm constantly having to run after them uh makes sniping a nightmare and i've always been a sniper in, in borderlands games and i've just had to abandon it basically in this one uh it, there's just a lot about that game that's just really weird like they they really wanted to make an open world for all of these planets but it's just a lot of empty space as an excuse to make you get into your vehicle and, and drive to it. That's the thing. And it is. It's it's wide open. It's empty. There is nothing there. And it's it's one of those games, too. It's so uh, sparsely populated with, like, quit. I, I remember when I would finish one of those games, I would still have a list, like 20 side quests left to do. And I'd still find more as you went along. I think I finished this when I had two left. And it's, I didn't even go out of my way, you know, to, to look for more because I mean, there, there, nothing popped up. You know, you get your little exclamation point or, or your question mark rather to, to show you that there's a, a, a quest nearby, somebody to offer you one. And it just, you don't see it. Uh, it's just, it's, you, you finish the game. This has got to be the shortest. Yeah. I mean, it feels long because it's pretty damn excruciating. <laughs> But it's got to really be in terms of total play time to finish everything. It's got to be the shortest. And, you know, to to add to it, I think two handled uh, the characters from the first one really well. 
know, like bringing yeah. back, you know, your, your favorite characters. And this one, it is just, oh, don't hey, get started. hey, folks like this guy, let's put him in there to deliver one line and then we'll forget. Uh, and it's just, it's a waste of, and, and of course you want to focus on the new characters. I mean, you don't want the, the past characters to overshadow the ones you can actually control. But man, I mean, two brought everybody in, in a, in a meaningful way. And it felt like they still had, you know, something to do. They were still doing something in the background, you know, to help you out. And this one is just, they, it's, it's rough. It's, it's bad all around. Um, I, I'm, kind of glad i didn't get the season pass for this which is also a first for me with borderlands um i i'm actually i'm probably gonna wait and hear a review or two before i i press on with anything else in this game it's it's so disappointing and i did actually start another playthrough and at least i, I think in this the new playthrough i have gotten better guns mm. like there was there's just a problem with loot in this game at least when i was playing my first time through where I was like level 30 and I hadn't found a better gun that, that I'd gotten in like at level 11. Mm. And it was just nothing better was ever dropping. It was just greens. You know, you, you go into these vaults at the end. Um, uh, you know, th that's like the big thing. You go into these vaults that, that hunters have been wanting to go into forever. And you open this treasure chest that you're expecting these amazing, this amazing loot. And it's mm -hmm. greens. It's a bunch of greens <laughs> and like one blue. I was like, this is the shit I can buy at the vending machine. I ain't fucking going to no goddamn vault anymore. Uh, but anyway, yes, I, I'm disappointed about for that. Thank you for tuning into our Borderlands 3 podcast. <laughs> um, I, I will continue to kind of play it and and maybe things will will change around in the future when when their DLC hits. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that is that is maybe 2019's most disappointing game at this point. Well, yes, let's stop talking about Borderlands 3 and start talking about this episode's game, Pirate's Gold for the Genesis. timbers i didn't uh... <sighs> all right here's the thing i'm gonna go ahead and start state it this is not my kind of game um i think i have uh, made a point of it many times on this podcast that i am naturally biased against games that to me look or play like they should have been on a pc um you know, just because I didn't grow up playing those games. I didn't have much experience with them. And let's be honest, they never seem to control quite right. So when we first mentioned this one and I, you know, I, I got on YouTube and did, I, I do like a little brief kind of glimpse and I kind of, cause I don't want to spoil the, the, you know, the game when we're reviewing one and I'll just kind of fast forward here and there, kind of get like a, a idea of it. And I was concerned, uh, uh, equal parts concerned and intrigued because it looked like every time I skipped to a different clip, there was something completely different going on. Sometimes there were sword fighting. Sometimes you were, you know, you're out on a boat. Sometimes you were, you know, hoofing it around town. Um, but yeah, so I, I went into this one very cautious, uh, not quite sure what to expect and, and, you know, 
we'll talk about it <laughs> as we move along. My thoughts on it. I was just wondering this episode uh, to give it an authentic feel of of playing the game. Or uh, do you want me to go in the background the entire time? I do not. I do not want that. That would All be. Right. I, I just wanted that authentic sailing experience for everybody while they listen. What is it with the Genesis and like weird PC ports or games that looks like they should be on the PC? Like even like when we we did General Chaos, a game I love dearly, I, I would fucking say that that is so much more PC, a game that should be on PC. Uh, and, and you get like stuff like this. It's just there's it seems to be a lot of those on the Genesis. And I, I'm not entirely sure why. Whereas like on the Super NES, there's like none of that stuff. I mean, I mean they there's... don't have to slum it. It's <laughs> Nintendo. They ain't got to slum it like Sega does. There were definitely Just... PC ports on the Super Nintendo. I mean, in this case, you mentioned General Chaos. General Chaos is not a PC game ported to a console. It's a console game that plays like it should be on a PC. This is a port of a PC game. Uh, the Pirate's Gold came out in 1993. It is a port of uh, Pirates for 1997, or I'm sorry, Pirates from 1987 on most computers, uh, and then ported to, I, I believe, the NES, which I was unaware of until this podcast. Uh, thankfully, we did not record that version. Uh, this this is an upgrade on the original Pirates, but it is still definitely a, quote, PC-ass game. <laughs> I mean, it's very much a PC game. You, it, you, is PC ass, it is PC-ass. Yes. It is a PC-ass game uh, to the point where the game starts. I mean, before you do anything, you get an intro screen for the game, great, and then, bam, it's a menu. It's a menu of how you're going to play the game. You know, do you want to start a new game? Do you want to save, you know, load a save game? Fine, that's that's normal. But then all of a sudden when you try to start a new game, it's, it's like, what period do you want to play? There's no ex- explanation on the screen to what these periods mean. You can start in the 1660s, 1680s, 1560s, 1600s, 1620s, or 1640s. Great. Uh, the game manual does recommend to start in the 1660s, uh, but, but it really doesn't explain the difference in the periods. Uh, you get to pick what nationality you want to be, either English, French, Dutch, or Spanish. You get to put in whatever name you want for your character. I guess that's not necessarily a PC title uh, or PC trait, but still, it's, it's one more thing to put in. And then your difficulty, and you get to pick a special ability if you want to be good at fencing, good at navigation, good at gunnery, uh, good at medicine, or be very witty and charming. It does not explain any of these things in the screen while it gives you the option. It does explain it in the manual to some level, so it's another game where you kind of really want to have that manual. But but without it, you can kind of piece together after you play this game for a few minutes. Uh, you just want to pick fencing. Don't pick anything else, just pick fencing, because this game has a lot of fencing in it, regardless of what you think you're doing. There's a solid chance it's going to end with fencing. So after you, you go through this menu system, all of a sudden you're... S- you're just thrown into the middle of a, of a story where you're a stowaway on a ship, and as a result, you, you get captured and by pirates, and you decide to take on the pirate captain, even though you're just some stowaway on a ship. You, that's your first experience with sword fighting in the game. Uh, sword fighting is something you're going to do fairly often. It is using a standard three-button Genesis controller in this game. So, uh, you know, again, without the instructions, you really don't know what you're doing at this point, but the buttons work as follows. The A button does a thrust. Uh, which is a very fast attack. A B button is a slash that is a slower attack that does more damage, and C is a parry that in theory would block an enemy attack. I'm going to be honest, I didn't push C one time playing any of these sword fights after learning what it did. Uh, 
sword fighting generally with the game, you'll just mash on one of those buttons and push your character towards the other character uh, as, as fast as you can, at least on lower level di of difficulty. Um, I always made sure I used the A button, the thrust attack, because it was faster attack, and just kept aiming for the face, uh, hitting Ooh. up in the A button while I move forward, and that would win most sword fights. I don't know if you guys had a different experience with sword fights or if you decided uh, early on that it was the best thing to do was what I just explained. Uh, no, just like every morning at the McDonald's in line to get breakfast, uh, the best way to, to to win in that battle is to to press forward and aim at the face. That's and it. That, <laughs> like that was generally what what I did. Um, very early, I learned very early on. Uh, pro tip: uh, press left and stab at stab at that guy's face. You will win pretty much all of the the fights if you put anything <clears throat> into uh, sword fighting. Um, it. You know, I don't know if I was taking advantage of, of something or whatever, because it does give you all these options, like Jeremy mentioned, where it's just like, you know, it's, it's like, should I be using these? But no, I mean, it never really got to that point where I felt like I needed to be using this. Now, later in the game, maybe there are harder fights, because I'll be honest, I didn't get too far. But I played enough of it that it seemed like every time I got into a sword fight, this strategy basically won. Yeah. Yeah, and I just, I, I'm assuming that it's just a, a natural instinct to do this, because I think all three of us, without discussing it, apparently adopted this strategy. And, and, and yeah, I mean, I would just jam that, that button, and I can't, I gotta say, I've got probably nine out of ten fights I would, I would take home, and apparently this is common. And, and I was even, after the fact, I, you know, kind of got online to see what other people thought of it, and... And there was a big discussion about whether uh, having like a one of those off-brand rapid-fire controllers uh, was even good for these sword fights. I don't know if a rapid-fire would help because you really do have to to wait for the attack to finish before you can start another one. It wouldn't make your attack any faster, mm -hmm. but it would mean you wouldn't have any gap, I suppose. Uh, but no, I don't. I don't think you need a. Uh, <laughs> a turbo controller to get through these fights. They seem very straightforward, uh, although I will again admit I played this on the lowest level of difficulty for most of the time we played this. Uh, oh, after yeah. you finish this sword fight, because you've defeated the pirate captain, uh, you then become the next pirate captain, I guess, and so the crew decides to follow you, and now you're a famous pirate of some sort, and you end up in a town that matches whatever the nationality you picked was at the, the menu start of the game. From this point, there's really no instruction on what you're supposed to do, uh, really how you're supposed to do anything. Uh, the, the In town, there's several buildings you can visit. Uh, there is a merchant that lets you buy and sell sugar, uh, something just called goods, which I guess is a kind of catch-all. Oh, food. selling the goods. Uh, you, if you want to, you need to make sure you have enough food on your ship. So that's the only thing. I, the only thing I think you would standardly buy in shops. Um, but you do have the option, I guess, if you want to have the most extremely boring game of pirates, you could buy things at a low price in one town and sell them at a high price in others. Uh, that is not a very fun game. But you could do that because the prices do change depending on what town you're in and, and the time of year that it is. Uh, but, but generally, you're going to those shops to sell things you find. Again, at the start of the game, you don't have any of that, but that's the point of that shop. Uh, there is a tavern where you can go into, and a lot of the time that's how you'll find new pirates. Uh, you'll go into to taverns after you've done something notable, and people will come up and say, oh, you're the famous pirate that just fought this Spanish ship. I'd love to join you, and 10 to 15 pirates will join you. Uh, you do need more pirates as the game continues on because you get more and more ships, and you need more pirates to manage those ships, and you need more ships to carry more more goods and treasures and such. So there is a reason to get more, more pirates. And the other buildings you can find, there's a bank 
the bank you need to go to occasionally when you've played this game a good amount to actually divide up your treasure. We'll get into that later. And there is a mansion where the governor lives. And if it's a town that you are friendly with, they will sometimes give you missions such as you know going to another island to deliver a note. Or they'll give you news like, hey, did you know that there is a you know treasure train over in this other city? So you will want to kind of go to all these buildings you're in town. But really the, the point of this intro is to get you some more pirates then leave the town by the docks and you arrive on the giant map screen this game is based entirely in the caribbean or is it caribbean i don't know uh, but you're just going around jamaica and all these other islands while you fight other pirates and <laughs> find treasures and there's really no set goal in this game there's really no direction on what you're supposed to do other than find cities that aren't your um, your nationality, and you can try to raid them for money or take them over for uh, on behalf of the country you're there for. It, it is, uh, it's probably the most open-world thing I've ever played that didn't explain what it is you're supposed to do. There is a, a, a kind of an ultimate point you discover, but out of the box, it's this open-world sailing pirate simulator that doesn't give you any guidance. Did, did you guys bother playing a lot more to figure out what to do, or did you just kind of do a little bit of everything and call it a night. I did a little, I did a lot of everything. <laughs> and I actually, I tried to put some time into this one and I feel like for all the time I put in, I, I really didn't accomplish anything on this one. I, I think from the very start, you know, I, I, my, my bias towards these games, it kicked in the second I got to the, when it opens on a menu I'm like, oh boy, here we go. I, I suddenly felt like I needed to have an instruction manual, uh, maybe roughly the size of a phone book, sitting next to me uh, to to get anywhere in this. And no, I I, I can honestly say, because I didn't want to get on there. I you know at one point I'm I don't want to be blindly going all around, but at the same time I don't want to be sitting here, you know, one eye on the screen and the other on a guide and, and going back and forth like that. I figured the the, the better option, you know, kind of more authentic was just to, to play through the thing and see what I can figure out on my own. And, and the answer is not much. Yeah, I, I was kind of the same. But like when I started and you got to that first town, I was like, is this Oregon Trail? But with pirates, because it kind of had that same yes. feel like you're buying a lot of things. So like, you know, for this journey and, you know, you can buy your, your the stuff you need to sail your ship and, and pirate yeah. crew. And then and, you get uh, that snake bite. And... Yeah, I was expecting somebody was going to die from dysentery on the ship or something. Uh, but no, it, it is not that at all. And um, yeah, as soon as you get out on that ship and it is like, like, holy shit, like they this is kind of an open world on the Sega Genesis. That's kind of neat. And, you know, you actually have to pay attention to things like weather and like how you're sailing around and the other ships, you know, it, there was, there was a moment there where I was like, this is pretty amazing. And I think it is for, for something that's on the Genesis. Um, you know, I didn't obviously get into these kind of games as, as a kid or, or even as an adult, uh, I'm not really into this kind of stuff, but there's something always fun about being a pirate and, and, you know, mm -hmm. just sailing around on the sea and, and being a pirate captain or whatever. And like, you know, you can run into ships and you can board them and, and take over their stuff and steal their stuff. Uh, you know, you can go to other cities and, and like try to take over the cities themselves. It, it's really compelling on, on that kind of, you know, as far as like something that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. uh, but then after that first like initial like half hour of doing that, 
it just kind of seemed to just keep doing that. And I wasn't sure exactly what I was supposed to do. <laughs> I was like, okay, I've had fun playing around with this game. What am I actually supposed to do? And that's the point where I was like, I don't know. I, what is this game expecting me to do? And it turns out the game actually doesn't even tell you for the most part. Well, there is no set ending. I mean, the, the idea is you're a pirate, so the idea is to get as much money as possible, as much fame, uh, you know, terrorize the seas, whatever it is your goal is. Now, in the instruction manual, there's like a maybe two sentences somewhere in the manual that say something like, also see if you can master the ten hidden pirate quests. And as you're playing the game, it gives you no real clue as to what these quests are, but once you've completed one, it will flash a screen up that says, like, completed pirate quests, and it'll it'll list what you've done that's a pirate quest. And, and most of them you will do in the natural order of playing the game if you kind of take on all the side missions you can find. Um, so generally what you're going to do is be sailing between these cities. And mm -hmm. in the process of sailing between the cities, sometimes you'll get a notice on the screen that says, like, hey, we see a, a ship off to the left. Do you want to investigate that ship, yes or no? And if you hit no, you can most of the time, you know, just sail on and continue on your voyage. If you want to investigate, you'll get a little closer to the ship, and it says, okay, it's this type of ship, and here's the country that it represents. And if it's your own country or a country that you're not at war with currently, you can normally get some news from them. And it will flash up with another screen that says, you know, certain towns like San Juan has a new governor or San Juan has been hit with a plague or it gives you some news on the other towns in the game along with the date and that will give you a clue on what to do sometimes it will say things like a new a new gold mine has been found in Panama so then you can go to Panama there's the city of Panama you can go in the game and you know get there and if you because there's this new gold mine if you've sacked it as a pirate which we'll get into in a second you get more gold than you normally would because these events have happened so a lot of the game is is traveling around either getting news from people to try to kind of figure out where to head on these islands to get the most bang for your buck or if they are other pirates or if they're countries you're at war with you can go into a combat screen combat ship to ship combat in this game is really really simple at first it seems all this game seems very daunting but when you play it more and more, you realize there's it, it's a fairly simple, straightforward game that you have to figure out what you're doing overall in. But each piece is pretty simple. So ship combat, you literally are sailing around like you would be on the ocean map. So you have to worry about wind speed and direction. It affects how you how fast you move. It shows your ship and the enemy ship. Uh, and, and stats for them at the bottom as far as how much cannon they have, which is how many times you can fire your cannon, and how many members are on the ship, uh, and the speed the ship is currently traveling at. So as long as you can hit the ship a couple times with some cannons, it, you know, that's kind of even optional in some ways, um, but then drive faster than that ship and kind of catch up to them, your ships will connect, you'll board their pirate ship or the other sh country ship, and then it's fencing. If you win that fencing event, uh, which is done the way we already explained the fencing event at the beginning of this, you will take over that ship, you'll get all the, the, the booty they had on board, which a lot of the time is just sugar goods or food but it also allows you to take their ship captive if you choose to uh, to add to how much you can carry and your crew it'll take some of their crew uh, and if it is a pirate you can take that pirate hostage which the first time you've done that and you take a pirate hostage bam it flashes up on the screen hidden pirate quest one take another pirate captain captive boom that's when i realized like okay there are these 10 hidden things i can do if i've done all of them that's one way you can say you've beaten the game because truthfully there's no there's no set ending. Eventually, this game, uh, because you're a pirate and you have a set age because you're a human being, you'll get so old that you can no longer really be effective and you'll retire. And then it says at the end, like, here's how great of a pirate you were and gives you a summary of, of events. And then it gives you a score. And, you know, the first time I did this, 
I thought I was doing really well. I got a bunch of money. I had not done any of the hidden pirate quests because I hadn't seen them yet. And so I, I retired after cashing in all my gold, and it was like, you are a bartender. You've earned 14 points out of 100. <laughs> and that's how I knew I was missing a mm. good portion of this game. If, if you start doing those hidden pirate quests, which, again, a lot of them you're going to do just by traveling. If, if you come upon another ship, you should fight it. You should get as much gold as possible. If you go into towns and taverns, uh, other than just getting uh, people to try to join you, or get news of other other towns. Sometimes people try to sell you a pirate map. You should always buy a pirate map. It always leads to treasure. You'll get news that you know the the golden fleet is in a certain city, or the uh, the treasure, the silver train is in another city. Uh, those are also two of the hidden pirate quests. If you can find the city that has either the golden fleet or the silver train and attack it and win the city, uh, attacks against cities work exactly the same as ship combat, where you just drive your ship into a city and you'll start fencing. And as long as you win that fencing event, you get all the gold from that city. Sometimes you can uh, remove the current governor and take it over for the, the country that you're a member of, or at least representing uh, in some way because you're a pirate. I guess you could uh, technically attack that country. But still, if you take it over, it would be the country you picked at the beginning of the game uh, that would take over as a governor. Uh, it's, it's a lot of the same event. Everything boils down to driving your ship into a thing and having a fencing event. And if you can do that consistently, you'll just get more and more and more and more and more gold and more and more and more and more and more goods. You go to new towns, find towns you're friendly with, sell those goods, sell some ships, fix ships if they're broken, make sure you get more pirates at all times, and just keep getting gold till eventually you're going to go to the bank and say, okay, I'm, I want to cash out, give everyone their, their piece of the gold for now. You will start, after you give up, let me try that again. So you'll go to the bank, Make sure you've sold all your goods. Make sure you sell all your ships, but the ones you need is a bare minimum. And go to the bank. You'll split up all the gold among your crew, which makes your crew happy. It gives you a bunch of renown. It gives you a huge chunk of gold that's actually your gold, not just pirate gold in your ship, but your gold that counts towards your end score. And then you more or less start again. You've got a tiny crew of people. You've got one ship. You start recruiting new people. You go on new missions again, except that you're older. Time has passed. Things you've already done have occurred. So if you took over a bunch of towns for, in this case, I did it for England, there's still English settlements and colonies. And, uh, and then you start again. It's, it's that over and over again, and it seems like it's, it's got a lot, but really it all boils down to driving into things and fencing. That's kind of what I was wondering. Like I didn't get, you know, like <laughs> I said, I, I played, you know, a, a good, I don't know, like uh, two or three hours into it, and, and I wasn't really looking to see what the, the mystery quests were because I wasn't, I didn't actually know they existed until you <laughs> you made a point to mention like, Hey, did you guys do any of these, uh, you know, pirate quests? It's like, I, what? <laughs> it's like, but, and that's just how the game is. Like, it just kind of expects you to run into them and do them before it yeah. actually tells you that, that you finished them. Uh, you know, I didn't read too much in the instructions, so I don't think that's actually in the instructions as far as like telling you that you, you know, what you need to do to, to accomplish this. So it's this very open ended game. And if that gameplay loop of going out and being a pirate, running into ships and towns and selling your stuff, or trying to figure out what the pirate quests are, I can see where this would be very compelling. Uh, I, hell, if I had played this as a kid, I, I might have been much more open to it. Um, playing it now, uh, I, I just that that gameplay loop just it, it wasn't appealing. I guess it it didn't keep me wanting to come back to it. I felt like I had done everything within like the first half hour of the game. And then the game just wanted me to keep doing that over and over again. Well, and you're not wrong. I mean, that is that is kind of how this game works. They want you to 
consistently go out and try to find where the uh, Golden Fleet and the the, the pirate the Silver Train are as much as possible. Get as much gold as you can. If you find maps, uh, the maps won't give you a, a really clear image of uh, the overall map, but it'll give you like this weird island shape and uh, a big X, and you'll have to find out where on the map that matches. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not. And then you have to actually, you know, land on that island, which is not a, a big in-game piece. You drive your ship into an island, all of a sudden it becomes little people. And uh, and you stop wherever you think the treasure is, and you can dig for treasure. Uh, that there's that, that whole exploration of the world, it's all visible on the map, but still, you want to be able to say you've been to every single city. Uh, that way you can at least have... have seen all you can see and get as much gold as you can and and then you know cash it out to get yourself a better and better personal score and yes then you're trying to make sure you complete these 10 pirate quests and again as i mentioned earlier some of these i stumbled on completely i didn't have to look anything up for the first five pirate quests i was able to do them just by the nature of you know oh someone talked about this this golden fleet i guess i'll find that fleet maybe that's one of the quests and of course it is so the ones i found on my own were uh to to capture another pirate, which is just done by one of the pirates, is, is uh, when your ship sees another pirate and then you win that fencing, bam, you've captured a pirate. Great. You can use that pirate to either give you uh, information on where these other things may be, or if, if there's a, uh, if you're already looking for another person for another quest, he might help you with that. Or you can hold them for ransom, where you'll take them into town, find the, the country that they're affiliated with, and they will take them off your hands, and, uh, and it actually increases your renown, which helps you get... Uh, titles of nobility, which is another pirate quest, is getting a high title of nobility. Uh, as you complete quests for your home country and you go back and talk to governors, eventually they'll say things like, great, for all the hard work you've done, I'll make you a colonel or whatever it is. And as you get higher and higher in ranks, you will eventually become a noble, uh, which I, I guess you know is important to be a pirate. <laughs> but that's one of the, the pirate quests. Uh, the other ones I did, again, is capture the treasure fleet, capture the silver train, uh, sometimes when you go talk to the governor, their daughter will introduce himself to you, and uh, there are several le levels of attractiveness of wives in the game. It's very obvious looking at the image on screen whether or not this is an attractive wife or not, but it doesn't matter <laughs> if she's attractive or not. You can marry an ugly wife, and you still get the pirate quest of get married, which is a very non-piratey thing to do, I suppose, but that is one of the, that's the five I figured out how to do. Capture a pirate, capture the treasure fleet. The Silver Train, Gut Married, and a Title of Nobility. I could not figure out the other five quests, but I had an idea what one was. At mm -hmm. one point, I got a quest from, um, from one of the governors to go capture a specific pirate. So I did, and when I captured him and, and, uh, and brought him back, they gave me a, a treasure map where he said he knew where my long-lost sister was. And so it's the same thing as a regular treasure map, but it was a, a place I never did find. And I, I tried Ooh. harder and harder to find this map. I mean, I admittedly did not scour every edge of the map because uh, sailing around this entire map can be very daunting and time-consuming. But I did try a lot of places, and I never did find her. But apparently the other quests are to find four members of your family, uh, because you're an orphan at the start of the game. So I guess you find four members of your long-lost family. And once you've saved all four, or as you save all four, they also give you a, a map piece for this lost Incan treasure. So if you can get the Incan treasure, that's the tenth quest, uh, along with finding four of your members as the other four. So those are the ten pirate quests. Technically, I mean, that's what I consider to be the actual end goal of the game. Go out, do everything you can, but ultimately finish all ten of these pirate quests. Uh, once you've done that, it actually gives you the option to immediately retire, and it gives you a score, which is how you kind of know that's the goal. But you could also just make it your life's goal to in this game to get as much gold as you possibly can before you cash out one time and see what your score would be. I mean, it's it's very PC in, in the 
in the way that it has the objective. So it very much reminds me of like uh, of an old war game or uh, like mm-hmm. those Cinemaware games, like Defender of the Crown, where yes, there's an overall goal, but also sometimes your goal is just to play this game your own way for a little bit, uh, which is something I really liked. But I, I don't know if I really would have liked it enough to really learn this game if we weren't reviewing it. And it, I, I think for like being a PC game that that's on a console game, especially like the Genesis, I, I think it's well done. I think it's playable. You know, there, it is definitely not the uh, the general chaos thing of where it it wasn't even a PC game, but somehow fails at being a console game because it's such a PC game. <laughs> uh, it, you know, and it, it's just kind of hard to play. Uh, I, I think this one actually does. You can play it, uh, but but then the you know I think it really falls on the, if if this is something that that interests you. If like mm. I said, this, the whole gameplay loop of of doing all this over and over again is is fun and there's a lot of people that actually really do like it uh you know that i i've seen enough people that it was just like this is one of the top 10 genesis games ever made it's like well okay but you know it's <laughs> i it's not something that that i you know like i said it's it's not my my cup of tea but I, there's definitely enough people out there that, that do really enjoy it and i think that i i would definitely say that this is one of the better for a game that is this pc it it uh it does a really good job of, of translating over to a, a Genesis, which is kind of unheard of for a lot of those games. This is not disastrous. And, and I mean, I can't even say it's a bad game. This is in no way, shape or form the type of game I enjoy. Um, uh, but yeah, I saw that too. Like a lot of people, uh, it's, there's nothing in between. You're either kind of where I'm at or there are a lot of people that just love this game. And, and I saw that also a lot of people putting that up there, you know, one of the best Genesis titles. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's certainly a matter of opinion. Uh, it's not one I agree with. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, it's, it's great that a game like this is, is out there for the people that do enjoy it. And I, and I think it's a, a great representation of, you know, what you could have, you know, had on the PC at the time and there on your console and, uh, it's not the best sounding game, uh, but it's not a bad looking game either. Um, in, in some parts, uh, it's just, it's not the gameplay. It's, it's just not for me, especially, uh, you know, knowing now that, that, uh, you know, it's just kind of a matter of just do however much you can before this, you know, this time. I mean, it's essentially, it's a time limit, you know, the whole aging thing, just collect as much money as you can before this point. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's just doesn't appeal to me. I really would have liked a, a solid ending. Uh, and, and the, the quest being hidden too, I, I didn't care for that either. I mean, at least, you know, there's some hints out there on the list. Uh, I mean, I just a lot of things, this game, had that just it didn't work for me it, it just i was not going to latch on to this one uh but i i give it credit for a brief period of time despite starting off with a menu despite being a pc ass game uh there was a brief glimmer for a little bit there that i might enjoy this one uh but it just it was too repetitive and i i really felt directionless the entire time does it take you back? You remember, remember the good old times? Yeah, and, and the footsteps. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it's you know it's it, I mean it's 
I thought, honestly, I got on here. I thought I was going to have a lot more bad to say. Um, but I can recognize when a, a game is not a bad game. I mean, if this is the kind of game you like, if you like this genre, I mean, this is an excellent game. Uh, it's it's just not something for me. And I mean, if you if you listen to the show and you think that your taste kind of falls in line with mine, I'd tell you stay far away from it. Uh, but if I mean, if this kind of game's up your alley, then fuck, I, this is going to be a, a, a gold mine for you. Well, it's definitely different than most of the things you're going to find on Genesis, which is what I, yeah. I liked about it. And I also liked, even with the instruction manual, I liked the fact that the quests were hidden. But it made it very obvious when you did it. It would have driven me nuts if it didn't tell you until the very end mm. of the game. Like when you're retired, it's like, and by the way, you met these five pirate quests. I would have mm. absolutely hated that. But but I kind of liked the idea of, of knowing just enough to get started and then learning, you know, how, how do I make this into... No, I don't want to say into a game, but how do I, you know, what am I supposed to be doing that I'm not doing? How do I learn how to play this? I enjoyed the process of that. And, like, I feel like I have a good grip on the game now. But now that I have that grip on the game, I have less of an interest in playing it because <laughs> I know mm. what it is. And it's, I mean, I, I increase the difficulty to see. And, yes, there's definitely an increase in difficulty when you push that up. The, the sword fighting is much harder. You actually have to try uh -huh. to parry or, or try to use more than one attack or actually move up and down. Uh, on your sword attack, so it hits their heads or their feet because uh, they're blocking other areas. I mean, it it does get more involved, but it's still the same. I mean, the, the gameplay loop, like like Jerry mentioned, it's the same thing. You you sail around, you try to get as much gold and as many ships as many pirates as possible, and then you know eventually cash out and get as much as you can for yourself and your crew. And at some point, you'll just get too old to really be successful. And before you get captured by other pirates and lose all your money and lose all your, your status, uh, go ahead and retire. See how close you can get to that 100% score, which the highest I ever got. And this was with doing five of the quests and, and trying very hard to do this right. It was still a 35 <laughs> out of 100. Jesus. Um, but again, I think that your difficulty level plays a big part, too, in your in your score. I think if you pick the lowest difficulty level, even if you finish all 10 quests, you're not going to get 100%. It's going to give you a, a lower percentage because you're not getting as much gold as you had before and you're not getting the, the amount of renown, I think, as you got if you play on a harder level. But it, it it's the kind of game I, I really liked learning about and I think I would I would actually like to go back to it sometime on a, on a very hard difficulty and see how long I could last. But I don't know if this is the kind of game I'm going to come back to time and time again. It's definitely not a top 10 Genesis game. Uh, but I guess if you're a huge strategy fan or at least a huge uh, sim fan, then then maybe this is your top 10 because there's probably only nine other games that are like that on the Genesis. See, I, I would have actually enjoyed it a lot more if uh, if it was just a bit more structured. You know, if it took those those 10 pirate quests and like, you know, just kind of doled them out as almost like levels. You know, when you first got out of that first town, it was like, OK, here's your first here's the first quest that you need to do. You know, do the get the pirate, you know, get the other pirate, you know, that something like that. Just make that more clear. But just setting you out there in like a sandbox like that and just having you you figure it out on your own and hopefully, you know, do something that ends a quest. I That was the thing that, that kind of like turned me off to it. I if, if there was just a little bit more structure to it as far as like what you're doing and what you need to be doing and just dole that over, out over the rest of the game. I, I think I would have had much more, uh, you know, just, I, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. One bit of trivia we forgot to mention earlier. This is a PC game, as we mentioned, from 1987. It's actually called Sid Meier's Pirates. Uh, Sid Meier, who later on went on to do 
the Civilization series and many other strategy games uh, for Microprose. You know, this was his his first game that has his name on it, and uh, and you can definitely see this kind of game in the future games he makes. <laughs> So this was a listener request that we got from one of our patrons at the Super Retrovaniacs DX level, Mason. And so we were going to talk to him for a little bit about why he picked this game, his thoughts on the game, his memories of the game. So welcome to the show, Mason. So since you picked this game, I'm sure you've played it before. What was your previous experience with Pirate's Gold? Uh, when I very first played it, it was my dad's co-worker had it. It was the only game he had on the Genesis, and we were over there a lot. And... Uh, I didn't have a manual or knew what the game was, so I just kind of had to sit down and figure it out. And I didn't really like it at first either. <laughs> <laughs> did Did you have the? Did you, so I guess you never played the PC version first. No, um, it was my first introduction was the Sega Genesis version. Um, I I have played the the PC version since then. I didn't even know it was a Sid Meier game until then. Uh, I've also played the NES version since then. Ooh. I didn't even know there was an NES version. Yeah, that's why it's Pirates Gold. The Pirates was the NES version, no. which uh, I had the cloth map for. But because there's there's no in-game map on the NES version, there is on the Genesis. But without a map, that game is unplayable. So I had a cloth map, and you actually have to use a, a sextant and like point it at the sun in-game to determine your coordinates to find out where the hell on the map you are. Which is neat, but if you don't know how that works, it's functionally useless. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the Genesis version with a map that, you know, has a little indicator that tells you where you are and where all the towns are. That's a luxury. I can't imagine playing this on NES. And I, I say that as someone who enjoyed this thoroughly. Uh, but yes, without that map, without knowing where the cities are, the city names, it would be... Uh, we would have gotten about five minutes into this and decided we were not covering this one at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't blame you there. The only reason why I was able to play the NES one is because I had already played the Genesis one to death and knew it. And it's almost exactly the same game, just with worse graphics and no map. I mean, was this was uh, you know the the first of this kind of game that you've actually played before, like as a kid, like, or was this something you had already liked uh, and and just enjoyed this type of game? Uh, I mean, I I liked RPGs, but most of the RPGs I played were the stuff on the Super Nintendo, like Final Fantasy and and Breath of Fire and Lufia Two stuff like that. Uh, this is. Not quite like that, but it still does have RPG elements and uh, almost somewhat of a uh, a sandbox world. I mean, the way it throws you in, it, it's like, okay, you have 10 pirate quests, but it doesn't tell you what they are. And it just kind of throws you out there and says, good luck, stupid. And, yeah, I got uh, that a lot with this game. Yeah, <laughs> It's like, yeah, there's, there's not really a whole lot of a guide to it, but I kind of like that about it because it's, even though you have the same goals every game and it's 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 not like a randomly generated map or anything like that it's the same map the only difference is if you start in different years it'll determine different cities that are on the map because some of them haven't actually been founded yet at that time so if you start at earlier times some cities don't exist yet uh, but it's you can go about these quests in any order you want and just kind of some of the random events that you run into will kind of change your courses, how you're going to go about it. So it, it 
it, not like Civilization, where it's a totally different game every time. You're playing the same game, but you can play it differently every time you play it. So no two games are the same. And so it does have somewhat of a replay value if you enjoy the game, which two or three you don't. But uh, I, it's something that I can still sit down and play and enjoy because no two games are the same. And I, I do like that aspect. I, I didn't really understand that growing up because of I, it was somewhat of a new genre to me. But uh, it's one of those games that kind of grew on me over a while because it kind of had to because he didn't have any other options. Well, it's definitely a slow burn to, to pick up. I mean, with the first hour or so I played this, I wasn't quite sure what I was doing and, and kind of what the goal was. But, you know, much like Civilization uh, as another Sid Meier game, it, it, once you learn what you're doing, it's fine. But then as you dip, increase the difficulty, the game gets ridiculously hard, at least uh, on the Genesis version. I kept, you know, increasing the difficulty and I was not as good at sword fighting as I thought I was. And, <laughs> and that's a big, uh, a big problem in this game. How your game's going to go, a lot of it is, is set up by the skill set that you choose at the beginning, whether you have a skill at fencing or medicine or wit and charm or navigation. I think those are the only four. But they, they will kind of determine that your, your play style because, you know, if, if you have wit and charm, it makes it easier to get married or to charm other women that will actually act as informants for you when you come back to that town and, and give you information about where the silver train is and... Uh, uh, stuff like that. But for the most part, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage if you choose anything other than the fencing skill, because almost everything you do is determined by how well you do in a duel. Mm. Um, you can come back from overwhelming odds where you've got, you know, 10 guys on your ship and 300 on theirs, and you can end up winning that battle with just you on the ship just by being a really good fencer. Uh, Navigation is functionally useless. Uh, the wit and charm is useless. Uh, medicine just makes it so that you can... Age doesn't affect you as much. Because the older you get in the game, the, the worse you are at everything you do until eventually you're just forced to retire because you're too old to pick up a sword and be any use with it. God, that's, that's too real. <laughs> yeah. Hitting what's even worse is, like, in your late 30s, you pretty much have to retire because you are so slow. You're going to lose every fight, regardless of the odds. I can I can attest to this in real life. You have to retire no, and start a podcast yeah. about how you used to be a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> now, as someone that's actually played this way more than we have, uh, my strategy with fencing was to press the left button and press the, the attack button over and over the mid. And I could generally win most battles. Um, I don't know if that's because of the points that I put in or not, but is there any sort of more, um, I don't know, strategy, I guess, to, to actually fencing and, and poking your sword into people? There's not a whole lot of tactics to the sword fighting, and it's it's not a, a limitation of this game. Uh, every other version of Pirates has been pretty much the same. Um, the only real option you have is what sword you pick, and the sword will determine the speed and power of your attacks. And uh, choose a rapier every time and just poke, poke, poke. That's how you win every fight ever from the beginning to the end on any difficulty. Just keep poking up, down, in the middle. Don't don't choose a slower sword. Don't choose a more powerful sword. Just poke until you win. Okay, that is, that is exactly what I did. And I didn't know if I was just suddenly the, the greatest Pirate's Gold player that's ever lived or if this was just what you got to do. Because it was giving me all these options. You read the, the instructions and... You, you know, you've got these different attacks and everything like that. And I was just like, press press the button towards them and, and just keep jamming that button. And uh, that is that is my fighting game tactic. And it, it also worked out well here in this game as well. 
Yeah, I, I was quite surprised. I thought maybe I was a natural at it. I guess it just turns out that I was was cheesing most fights. But uh, but once again, another another real life thing that Mason said there: uh, poke until you win. I, I think that also suffices for me on a daily basis. Yeah, that's uh, that's my motto in life. It's on my coat of arms. I uh, I tell my wife that she disagrees, but you know, what if you know? <laughs> Did you manage to finish all ten? Uh, you know, master pirate quest in one in one play ever. Yeah, later on. Um, oh, jeez. I have it on a my hacked Super Nintendo Classic. That's how I play it now. And uh, through the heavy use of rewind and save states, I do things in my favor. I never waste time digging for treasure where it's not, or losing any fights I shouldn't. Um, I let me put it this way: you do not want to be on my crew. I'm absolutely ruthless. Because the way to get the most money is once you've amassed a pretty good amount, especially if you've just been sacking towns left and right, or if you managed to get like the silver tr- the silver train or like the ink and gold or any of that stuff, and you've got a good amount, the only way for you personally to keep that money is to divide the plunder. And that's every time you do that, you kind of end your expedition. You split your money between yourself and the entire crew. You get more money based on the higher difficulties that you're doing. But if you really want to maximize your profits, what you do is you take your crew, you go out there, and you let a lot of them get murdered. And you have the minimum amount of crew possible to run a ship, which is like eight people on a tiny ship. You sell everything else off, you let everyone die. And then you go divide the plunder. You get a huge chunk of change out of that. And the amount of money that you have determines when you retire your score and basically your lot in life, whether you're just going to be a beggar on the streets or whether you're advisor to the king, which I think is the highest thing you can get. Um, the, the quests themselves are, are pretty straightforward. There's four different family members you have to rescue and they're you just do them in order. It's the same thing to rescue all of them. Find a pirate, find a map, go get them. Uh, getting married, uh, raiding the silver train, raiding the gold fleet, whatever the hell the other thing is, uh, finding buried Incan treasure, um, capturing a pirate, something like that. I don't even remember what all 10 quests are, but um, it's it's very difficult to do all 10 before you get too old to do anything, especially since um, most of those involve winning a one-on-one duel. And if you're too slow and old to win that duel, then you're just not going to complete that quest. You can rewind and save state all you want. Even with the fastest sword, you're slow as molasses, and the dude just stabs you in the dick over and over until you give up. That's how most things end, to be fair. That's, that's kind of just how life goes, too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, it takes approximately one dick stab on me before I give up, typically. And that's generally how most of these podcasts end. Uh, but for, uh, you know, I, I just want to throw this out here uh, for everyone that... That doesn't know Mason has wrote in, written in several times to this podcast, and he is uh, responsible for Prime Arcade Sales and Repair. Uh, you can find him on Facebook at Prime Arcade Sales and Repair, or at Prime Arcade. And uh, my my one question is, uh, you know, you do do a lot of uh, arcade repair, and uh, this isn't your typical question of asking you if you have Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man, but uh, you do a lot of multicades, and I just want to know how many how many multicades have you snuck Pirates Gold onto? <laughs> For, for any unsuspecting people to find. You know, I actually don't, I don't do the multi-cades that play console games as well. Um, I, I don't see the point. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why anyone would want to stand up in front of an arcade machine and play Final Fantasy VII. That makes no sense to me. Uh, 
games like that, you, you sit on a couch and you play them. So why would you put them in an arcade machine? Uh, the only like Super Nintendo or Genesis games you'll find on any of the multi-cades I, I sell are the ones that were legitimately on arcade hardware. Like you can find uh, the, like the Play Choice 10 series or the, the Nintendo Super System or the the Sega equivalent of that, which I forget the name of, but there were ways to play Sonic the Hedgehog and Streets of Rage and games like that on an actual arcade machine. And those are the only ones you'll find on the ones I sell. Um, if you want Pirate's Gold, you're going to have to do what I do, uh, put down some money and hack a Super Nintendo Classic like a criminal and just play it that way. That's basically it, what I did. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to sit down and play it legitimately on a cartridge like I used to, you're not going to do well. Especially, you know, you, you, you're getting to that point where, okay, I've got 300,000 gold. It's, it's time to divide the splendor. So you go out and start killing off all your crew. And then you buy enough more and you can chew it. You lose that fight and uh, you lose all that gold. And there's nothing more disheartening than having all that progress just ripped out of you. <clears throat> I, I do appreciate the uh, the shout outs from when I've been on here. Um, being in West Texas, I doubt very many of your listeners are, you know, anywhere near my radius. But um, yes, I, I am on Facebook, uh, uh, facebook.com slash Prime Arcade. I'm also a uh, former professional wrestler. I'd say you could follow any of that, but I don't do any of that anymore. <laughs> you, you can see pictures of me in a referee shirt every once in a while. That's about it. Um, I, so you're I not actually say, getting into the AEW at this point? No, I, I'm waiting by the phone. I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll work for them. You know, they just have to call me. Um, I, uh, I I did want to say that uh, I I have known uh, Jeremy G and and Billy for God. I don't I like start to, on those I don't forums? like I don't like to put a number of years on it at this point. I, I want to say uh, starting around 2002. That's my guess. That sounds about right. That does sound about right. And uh, I mean, I mean, JP, I, I, I've read some of your articles there as well. And I, I don't know if we ever interacted personally, but I, I've known these two other old fucks for mm -hmm. 17 years now. And that's that's a scary thought. It is. And I think we we have a strong enough bond at this point that I'm going to let what you've done to us on this episode putting this game on us i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> let it slide we still love you you're still a friend of the show and if you'd also like to be a friend of the show please check out our patreon page it's linked in all of our social media pages but most importantly it is linked in the description of this podcast you can go there sign up for as little as a dollar you get access to some special posts and special uh, lists where we pick games from for five dollars you get extra shows every month and for ten dollars you can force us much like mason here to cover a game of your choice regardless of what sort of game that it is as long as it's on one of the consoles that we cover and we're able to get access to it so again thank you to mason and all of our patrons and all of our regular listeners even if you're not a patron you can help us out by going to itunes or wherever you get your podcast and writing us a nice review give us a five-star review whatever the maximum review you can give us it helps people find the podcast as well and thank you to everyone who's listened to Retrovaniacs over the last four years. <laughs>